Well, hello everyone. Click here, listeners. Uh, we've shifted our podcast from religion, spirituality, other to philosophy a couple days ago, and I guess we'll see how that pans out. For those of you who are new to the podcast in philosophy category at uh, Potomatic.com, our flagship um, podcast station, welcome to this uh, brand of philosophy. Uh, if you look through the playlist, you'll see. All kinds of different stuff here to enjoy. And I've been reading the book uh, by Bruno Bauer called Christianity Exposed from 1843. Uh, Build is the most banned book ever. As soon as it came out the uh, assembly line, they kind of just burn it all. <laughs> that one that got away. <laughs> and uh, it's been translated now to English a few years back. So we got a copy of this book, even though it's really overpriced. I don't know why they do that. It's silly. So, we're on page 44 now. And it says... Uh, we got Strauss in the background. Uh, it says, Literature, in general, is to be avoided as an illusion of the spirit of lies, who, for no other reason than perverse desire, disguises himself as an angel of light. Or wherever you heard that term before. A theologian does not release the unfortunate one who wishes to free from the world. He jumps down the throat of this unfortunate one, completely monopolizes him, forces him to see in every word of the Bible the absolute and only truth. Distracts his view from worldly literature in short, pressures him like a nightmare and drives him insane. Uh, this fear and violence, which binds together the spirit into a single point that suggests a personification such as prime reason and using deprivation of activity and food makes him crazy in theological terms and then gives him the formula that the Holy Spirit itself is supposed to to have dictated the Bible. The inner lack of freedom of religious consciousness disguises itself and justifies itself with the holy writer's absolute lack of freedom. The theologian's malevolent fear turns itself objectively into fear of the divine spirit, that the sacred quill, yes, writes nothing other than what he wants. And a quote here from Edelman, indeed, what king acts toward his advisers and secretaries the way one claims that the king of kings is supposed to have acted toward the biblical writers when they are called upon to draw up a law for his subjects? Does he then place himself on the secretary's neck in God so that they are disallowed to place a comma anywhere other than he himself would have placed it if he were to have spoken verbally with the subjects. Or for this reason is a law that the secretary drew up when it has been read and signed by the king any less valid than when the king dictated it. And that's from Edelman, Moses with Veiled Vision, 1, page 49. This exertion that the theologian expects from people and ascribes to his God opposes human nature, whose freedom nevertheless asserts itself even in the slavery as 
arbitrariness, accident, or some device to allow itself deviation? If the one thing which should solely be considered valid would be learned by heart in top page 45, in recitation it will be jostled and changed in many ways, or if it is copied again and again, then mistakes will creep in. If, however, theological violence and malice were as absolute as it intended, or if the absolute being demands to be made known in this book and in it alone as professed, this is not as it should be. And another quote from Edelman, page 48. Did then the God whom one professes closely watch the fingers of the very first writers of whom there were hardly more than a dozen? If he wanted to ensure that the letters of the document should come to us completely unaltered, would he not have a thousand times more reason to keep a watchful eye on the writer? What good was the first revelation if he did not especially constrain the final copy to see that no copyist mistake would creep into biblical scripture? That's a good point. Religious consciousness is not lacking in goodwill. The fight over one iota can bring it up in arms. The smallest deviation away from an article of faith requires indeed that it is to be punished with the stake. However, expressed in the objective language of religion, God instead showed splendidly how prompt is his justice toward those who came close, too close to the Holy One. Why then is the holy book altered and falsified without punishment? Because all the fear of religious consciousness cannot draw away his actual purpose of capriciousness and accident. On the other hand, if the highest being himself alone attested in this book wanted his envy to be known, he should have been more effective. A god has to act differently. Quote, then he struck down from before himself no fewer than 50,070 beta Semites for the reason that they had nearly seen with their bodily eyes the ark in which lay the written law as they indeed desired to change nothing in their eyes. What then should he do to those who actually dared to maim a book that he himself commanded to keep true to his word, page 46, in that they not only took out of use entire books from the one as Luther did with the epistle of Jacob, but also to add important stories to it, or to subtract from it, likewise entire sayings, not only squeezed into, but also ruined. It's from Edelman, The Godlessness of Truth, page 408. Because it is not omnipotent, religious consciousness cannot escape these contradictions. However, religious consciousness must be criticized so that it is measured by and against its own assumptions. In turn, if the contradictions are made visible to religious consciousness and it tries to protect itself through forcible acts, through professed authorization from God, then religious enthusiasm will be caught up in other contradictions. The basic contradiction into which religious enthusiasm sinks 
is that it bundles up sunshine and packages the spirit in a handkerchief, self-confidence with a leather lace, or by showing us a package intends to reveal light and an illuminated world. Edmund says from the same book, page 416, quote, When Peter calls the prophetic word the light that illuminates the world, the light that we should respect until Jesus in our inner heart dawns as the day, just so, with that he gave us a good piece of advice as the ingenious College of Advisors, ingenuous College of Advisors, gave to the men of Shilda, who had built no window in their town hall, and as a result counseled the people to bring into the daylight in sacks. Nevertheless, they were not able to illuminate the, the hall, no matter if they brought in one sack of sunshine after another. Unquote. Close your eye, but not with force. Drive the darkness out of your inner hearts, and you will see not only the light, but also know that it illuminates the world. Its movement limited to one point in the world, i.e. death, is movement not common to all, is the general movement of the universe, not at the same time the movement of every individual in itself and around its own axis. Can truth in one subject, in one book, be concealed? Can truth, even if the thunder be at her command, declare herself in such one moment completely and utterly? Page 47. The universe, and along with it, the development of the totality of its history, can help to portray the truth, because it itself is only that development. But no thunder, no human being, no single nation suffices for its portal, for its portrayal. As for Edelman's still using the name God to explain the substance, he says, quote, It is impossible that God, looking at him in his entirety and outside of humanity, ever would be given laws to a lawgiver and to people themselves directly at and at any one time. Where today truth is found, there it has been for all time from God, whether truth is said of Aesop, St. Paul, Christ, or Confucius. The above quote from page 154, Confession of Faith of Edelman, and then this last one, Moses with Veiled Vision, page 51. He continues to quote Edelman. This will be on page 506 through 08 of The Godliness of Truth. And I quote, There are far more God-given books and writings than the handful that you poor people stole from the Jews is truth Jewish from a birth, a Jewess, an exclusive? Besides, truth spoke with that nation that had ears to hear in its own language clearly and audibly. Is it Jewish? Should it forever mumble and murmur? This you should know. The Lord against whom you rebel with such Germanic liberty will talk with you through his servants and will give those who search for him with a whole heart power over you, not only to completely eradicate all ancient idols, root and branch, but also to endure with, with steadfast courage the intensity of the rage against which you will be set. The Bible idol must fall.
the converted blindling bemoans. Oh, my dearest brother, your enthusiasm before the honor of the living God is indeed good, yet the Bible's reputation alone is already too great among the idolatrous Christian peoples. You will have great difficulty getting through to them with these words. And we'll stop there. The bottom of page 47. Pick up next time. Thank you if you've been joining this, enjoying this podcast. Please do support us if you're able to do such a thing. Uh, send a PayPal donation to click here podcast at protonmail.com Appreciate to hear from you. Leave a comment. Add us to your playlist. Check back regularly for other podcasts in this uh, new category philosophy on Podomatic. Been on Spotify with philosophy for a little bit now and just decided to change but be more consistent, I guess you could say. So until next time, uh, when we read the most banned book, again, we'll pick up on page 48. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. You're listening to the Click Here Podcast, brought to you by New Airwaves Audio Productions. Um, me? Okay. I'm a Sagittarius, which probably tells you way more than you need to know. Yes, it tells us that you participate in the mass cultural delusion that the sun's apparent position relative to arbitrarily defined constellations at the time of your birth somehow affects your personality.